This program is sponsored by Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts. Located on 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9, they can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommerce.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. You need something for that special spell? Go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell them Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today. Friday the 13th, the series. He was our leader! Mysteriously, they rolled out of the night, seeking sweet revenge. They're cutting this place off. Years ago, vigilantes took the law into their own hands, leaving six bikers dead and forgotten until now. This time, they won't be stopped. The return of the Midnight Rider. Hurry, Jack! Clear the way for an all-new Friday the 13th, the series. To the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the canceled television shows in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre. The music you're hearing behind me is by the band Spiderbait. Their cover of the classic Johnny Cash th- uh, song, Ghost Riders in the Sky. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Zeneca. I couldn't think of a more tr- uh, fitting song for this episode than Ghost Riders in the Sky. Even though we do not have flaming-headed motorcycle gangsters riding around and i thought sons of anarchy was a little too on the nose with their theme song even though they're apparently their leader is buried in a uh, reaper field which by the <laughs> way the reaper is the symbol of the sons of anarchy yeah so yeah. um but we have all... a beheaded biker but not a flamed head backer no and also just to get it off right at the back because i put it at the end of my notes for episode two we have two unusual back-to-back episodes we have an episode that does not have a cursed object whatsoever and we have an episode that does not have any cast member in it other than mickey for the beginning and the very end of the episode yeah it's it's odd you know we're, we do these episodes two at a time and it almost seems that a lot of the times we actually have a continuing theme 
Like there was the wedding theme and then there's, uh, you know, all of the coincidences between different episodes. And these two just back to back where the cast is kind of not really important. And this episode also has two back-to-back episodes involving a priest getting involved in crap that he probably should stay out of. One of which is yes. uh, the death of a... Uh, the, I'm sorry. This episode's priest, the first episode's priest, has something to do with uh, a plot line very akin to the movie The Fog or The Nightmare on Elm Street. And I don't mean Freddy Krueger. I mean what was, ha- what was done to Freddy Krueger by the parents of Elm Street. And then we have the priest in the second episode who's having all of the confessions said to him, and we'll get more into that as we as we get there. But this episode had so much to do with, I know what you did last summer, The Fog, A Nightmare on Elm Street, at least the origin story of The Nightmare on Elm Street and what happened to Freddy Krueger, at least, not the dream sequence part. Um, and, and probably any number of other uh, tropes of, like, ghosts coming back for revenge. And not just being a bunch of mindless kind of zombies, you know what I mean? Which which is basically what any of these creatures are. I mean, Freddy is kind of a ghost, but the pirates in the fog are zombies, whereas these guys are not zombie-like, except for their headless leader, who has more akin with the uh, the Hessian writer from uh, Washington Irving's classic tale, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yes, yeah. Um, the headless biker is, you know, pretty much just a corpse, Whereas the other bikers, that the other five in the Dragon's Rider crew, are pretty much ghostly because the bullets pass through them, but yet they're, they have physical, tangible form. Also, a lot to do with um, any number of gothic horror stories like Hammer or something. You have to bury them on consecrated ground. Or the fact you have to salt and burn the bones or cover them in dirt. Sam and Dean Winchester do this like every other week on the, the TV time, series yeah. Supernatural. Um, it's funny that on this day, December 9th, which is a second to last day of Hanukkah, by the way, so happy Hanukkah to anyone listening who happens to be Jewish, we are also, I am also recording after this, the next episode of Supernatural Creatures and Lore, and entitled The Real Ghostbusters, and we're going to be talking about the episode Sam and Dean go to a convention and meet, like, other versions of Sam and Dean, or at least people cosplaying as them, and we're going to be referencing the Real Ghostbusters cartoon series, and... And I'm and uh, on an episode of the Real Ghostbusters, there is a headless motorcyclist trying to get to the living descendant of Ichabod Crane. And well, he, what a coincidence! Yes, yeah, he rides around with it with without his head, and he's got and he can manifest his skull as a flaming thing. He can't cross running water, and um. There was an episode of Kolchak the Night Stalker, a TV series I would love to cover one day, which I think also has its own podcast, and we may or may not do it, uh, where Darren McGavin uh, investigates uh, a bunch of killings by a headless motorcyclist. And by the way, this was one of the worst-looking headless motorcyclists. If you've ever seen Jeff Goldblum's made-for-TV movie, uh, Sleepy Hollow, it's where they have to build the apparatus of the headless horseman over the guy's head so he looks like he's got super elongated shoulders and arms. Oh, yeah. 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 Unfortunately, uh, you can't really do it that well, but uh, thanks to, like, computer generation, you know, computer animation, you can green screen out a guy's head, like they did in the uh, Tim Burton film. Yeah, but in uh, 1989, that was not available as well. No, but I think they did a pretty good job of keeping him mostly in shadow a lot of the time, so he didn't look redonkulously stupid with the elongated body over his head. Agreed, agreed. But one thing that I do wish that this episode had was just more light. 
I wanted to see the rising of the corpse from the ground, and, and I heard that there was, like, additional maggots put onto the, the decapitated head and a lot of special effects, uh, uh, goriness added to the, the corpses. And, and I'm like, I would have loved to see that, but it was so dark. I had all the lights out in my room in order to actually watch this episode, and I still really couldn't see it that well. Now, um... It's unfortunate. Oh, why don't you do the episode synopsis and when it aired in the title before we get to the details? All right, all right. Uh, this episode, Midnight Riders, originally aired January 29th, 1990. Uh, history repeats itself when a gang of bikers return from the dead to wreak uh, small town terror. This episode was directed by Alan Eastman, who we've talked about before, directed episodes of Nightman, Andromeda, Stargate, and many other things, um, Degrassi. But unfortunately, it was also... I mean, not unfortunately, but it's unfortunate we couldn't have him on tonight, and I didn't think about it until the last minute. Written by Jim Henshaw, along with Frank Mancuso Jr. So, But Jim's got some great info about the episode in the Curious Goods book. Um, also, my favorite episode of season three so far? Really? This was your favorite? Yeah, I thought it was great. It was a really dark horror story. This was like a really legitimate horror story for this season. No, it was definitely good. I mean, it's it's... Out of the norm for being a Friday the 13th uh, episode, because it doesn't uh, continue the same type of uh, death and then intro credits and we're back to the store. And it doesn't really follow that uh, methodology, but it's really good. Oh, right. my God. And the episode also has uh, actors in it that uh, like uh, Dennis Thatcher, who played um, uh, Cow. Collie, 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 Kate, Collie, 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 um, doesn't have much of an IMDb career, uh, uh, but, uh, Andrea Roth, who was in this episode, uh, still acting in this very day, and she plays Melissa Bowman on the Marvel Comics TV series Cloak and Dagger, about a young, uh, teenage couple who get experimented on and get superpowers, um, yeah, and this episode she played Penny, the uh, teenage uh, girl. Yes, who makes out with her brother. Um, <laughs> so uh, some uh, I, right 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 away, yeah, they're they're brother and sister. They made out, and he probably got hard on like making out with a teenage girl. I'm sorry, you boned up. I'm sure they did more than that. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm sure. Based on their faces at the end of the episode. Yeah. Oh God, we totally banged. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, there's a lot of internet porn out there for that sort of thing, so um, there you go. Uh, Very true. But they have the excuse. They did not know because her mother <sighs> kept the secret and she kept lying that she was raped by the gang leader that they that ended up you know, getting beheaded. I'm reminded so, of the line from the Back to the Future movie, when I kiss you, it's like I'm kissing my brother. <laughs> <laughs> After um, uh, Marty's mom makes out with him. Yeah, yeah, that was so good. This episode uh, also stars George Buzza, who's been in episodes before. Um, he was Dr. Hank McCoy on the X-Men animated series, and he was the trucker who who um, uh, who tries to pick a fight with Wolverine in the first X-Men movie, by the way. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, oh. he's like, get out of my... He's like, he... he, he uh, yeah, he he picks the wrong fight with a guy with uh you know six inch adamantium claws that come out of his arms. <laughs> oh wow! But also on Mutant X, um, and a lot of other uh, t he has a long freaking career and he's still acting to this very day. So this guy has uh, got quite the career, which is fantastic. Um, he's he's actually you want to hear something funny because of the fact that we're in uh 
the Christmas season right now. He's been in five different Christmas productions. The Christmas Switch, A Christmas Horror Story, and Elliot the Littlest Reindeer, and he's the voice of Santa Claus and has played Santa Claus three other times. Oh, my God. Yeah, that grizzled old biker. Yeah, that's Santa Claus now. (laughs) David. Oh, well, you know. (laughs) David Orth. From the unexpected places. Uh, David Orth is still acting today. He played... Tommy. Tommy. Um, was recently in Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, did he have a sex change operation? Because on a couple credits, he's listed as a woman. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, but wouldn't they change his name on IMDb to represent the, uh, the... You know, no. The, uh, no? However you're credited, that's how IMDb... IMDb lists you, and they may associate your former name with your IMDb credit. Okay, maybe I'm misreading it, but I swear to God, in the, in the most recent Fifty Shades movie, he played a woman named Savannah. So I'm like, um, sure, okay. Um, so I'm just wondering if maybe that's a misprint, or did he actually, you know, trans, trans transgendered? Oh, who knows? Yeah, um, uh, Jamie yeah. Jones, who is also in this episode, and a stuntman, uh, has worked on The Strain, also an X-Men actor, too, by the way. Worked on all of the X-Men movies up until Days of Future Past. So oh, a lot and of this X- is the, the dragon? Yes, yep, yep, the dragon. Yeah. yeah, a lot of X-Men actors in this episode, which is fantastic. So why don't we get right into the episode itself uh, with some yeah. stargazing. So... Now they're they're looking at the planetary convergence of Venus, Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, and Mercury. They're saying that this is like an uncommon occurrence, which it is. But in fact, like you know, this actually happens a little bit more often than you might consider. Uh, they're saying that it was 17 years from the last time that this happened, and in actuality, um, a true a, a true planetary alignment is actually the uh, planets aligning in a line direct from the sun, but how we see it in our horizon, you can actually see all those planets on a horizon fairly frequently in in a decade. So uh, the last time it happened was October 18th, 2018, so it just passed, and the next time it'll happen is July 2020. So there you go. Uh, so that's in two years. Yeah. Yeah, two years we'll be able to see it all in a line again, but to see it just like all the planets on the same horizon, um, but not kind of in an arc, uh, that happens fairly frequently, like every couple of years, so. Oh, neat. Yeah. So, in this episode, Kali is Jack's father. Yes. Yeah. Jack's family. Yes. Back from the dead. Literally, yes. Yes, Jack's... Uh... <laughs> you know, um, has mentioned that his his, uh, his parents are both passed on. So when that was revealed, I was like, oh, well, he's a ghost. Yeah, exactly. Be- it, it must because- be the cursed object. Until we find out there is no cursed object in this episode. They just happen to be involved in a supernatural thing that's happening. Yeah, this is just weird, really odd supernatural occurrence that involves Jack's dad, uh, who was buried at sea. And he's coming back to redeem himself so that he can be at peace? I, I don't know. It, it it felt a little odd to have Jack's father. I think it could have had the same type of uh, interplay on the story if they had left that part out and just had a mysterious stranger. 
Hmm. Yeah, but I like the fact that it was uh, Jack's dad, so we get some kind of uh, kind of connection to the group, and they're not just like in the middle of something. That's you know, it would be way too coincidental if they were just like you know, with all the shenanigans they get into, it's like, oh, we're involved in a supernatural story that has nothing to do with us whatsoever. Yeah, true, true. But you know, uh, things happen around them all the time. Remember the ghost boy in that house. That was because of a supernatural. That was because of a cursed object, though. It was a cursed object, but it did happen around them. This is the only episode that doesn't have a cursed object. Yes. Or, by the way, they're not even. They never go to Curious Goods either. That's true. Yeah, you know, so always on location. um, The biker gang does remind me of uh, your typical eighty. You know, your typical kind of like made-for-TV, very Hollywood type of biker gang. Um, Oh yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Lo- lots of lots of threats, lots of uh, kicking people on the ground. Uh, the bikes being a main portion of the threatening gestures, mm-hmm. um, and then killing someone. Yeah. So Tommy gets um, the crap kicked out of him after he's done making out with his sister at Lover's Lane. Um, it's <laughs> you just, just like say that, don't you? <laughs> I'm going to because it's a sister. I mean, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, God only knows what they were doing or whatever. So uh, you know. I forbid you from seeing Tommy. Yeah, well, gee, you could just say why. Uh, by the way, on Sons of Anarchy, there is an episode where uh, Jax, our main character, is like boning it up with some Scottish chick, and his mother interrupts it and reveals the truth to him that that's his half sister that his father went to Scotland and cheated on him, cheated on her with. Ah. They're like in the middle of like her tops off, his tops off, and they're making out, and that's when uh, he walks in on it. She walks, uh, 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 Jack's mom, um, what's her name, Katie Seagal, walks in on it and to break it up. <laughs> now I've never seen that show, but I could just imagine how it goes. It's like, oh, oh, that uh, show is brutal. It's got, <laughs> it's got so much hard language, so much effing going on, so much like one horrendous rape scene in the beginning of season two. And just so many people getting killed in the worst possible ways. Yeah. 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 Um, but it, I, 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 I tuned into it because Ron Perlman was on the show. I had no idea who Charlie Hanneman was. Now I'm a huge fan of Charlie Hanneman. Loved him in Pacific Rim. Loved him in that King Arthur movie that came out last year by Guy Ritchie, even though it wasn't that great. And he's got some other movie out, City of Gold, City of Z, or something, or whatever. I think he's a pretty decent actor. When he, and uh, at one point, he was going to play uh, Christian Grey. And let me tell you, the panties hit the floor on that one until he decided that he wasn't the right fit for that character. And that really disappointed a lot of the women. <laughs> I could see. I could see how. Yeah. yeah. I mean, trust me. I know a lot of people who are really big fans of Sons of Anarchy. Women. I'm I'm talking about girls. Women. Uh, who were like, he's playing Christian Grey in a BDSM romance movie. <laughs> I got the vapors. Yeah. It reminded... The reaction was just like when that scene of, from the Justice League trailer of Jason Momoa walking into the water and the gift saying uh, the reaction of all women seeing this uh, seeing this scene of Jason Momoa walking into the, you know, the tidal wave hitting him when he throws yeah, the yeah. beer bottle down where they're playing that song by Red Stripes. Oh, <laughs> uh, love it. Love yeah. It. Hey, I'm a heterosexual male and I even admit, can admit that that's a pretty hot scene. <laughs> Now, in this episode, the biker gang actually does no real crime before they act, their actual deaths occur. 
So in this episode, the backstory on this 17 years ago is that the this biker gang, their leader was imprisoned for beating up and raping this couple, which end up being the priest and you know the uh, Cynthia, the Wait, mother. Did they rape the priest too? I thought they just raped Cynthia. Or 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 did she cry wolf and it not really happen? She cried wolf. That's right. So. And that puts the the bad note on on all rape accusations everywhere. When a false accusation accusation comes out, it's like ah, all this progress that we made, and you are ruining it by lying. Come yeah. on, you can't lie about these things. And a lot of people today in this hashtag Me Too uh, uh, era, culture yeah. era that era that's the word I'm looking for era that we're living in since early 2017. Uh, when all the Harvey Weinstein started ex- stuff started exploding all over the media, um, mm-hmm. a lot of people have been asking that question, and, they're, and they, they hate to ask the question because it seems like they're siding with the, uh, the accused and not the victim, is, where's the evidence? Why didn't you come forward sooner? Why did you wait so long? Why yeah. did you... Why are you doing it now? I mean, what, what do you have to gain from it? What, uh, there's, there's a complicated myriad of reasons why someone doesn't come forward with their assault and in this episode you know this fake assault was reported immediately because i guess she found out she was pregnant or something Mm -hmm. and this is happening right now where i live in boston uh, massachusetts there is a convention called Aresia, a sci-fi convention that's been going on since the early uh 90s that has had at least four people come forward against uh, the now former president of the convention uh, and several other people in power with allegations of sexual misconduct or rape. Yeah. And it's like, wow. And then, of course, again, there's a lot of people like, did she report it? Oh, she did. Okay, so then the people responsible for the not following through the report are also now held accountable and been re- re- removed from the convention. But... You know, what about the people who have never had that type of accusation filed against them before, ever? Ever. Mm-hmm. Their lives are ruined now because we're taking the victim's side because we believe it's the right thing to do, but the evidence is kind of... You know, it's... Oh, they were in a... Oh, they were in a kind of relationship that Mr. Zedekin and I would be in? Uh, it starts gray-mattering things. I mean... I, I this this Christmas time being where we are at the moment, and this whole uh, "Baby, It's Cold Outside" song being oh. banned. I've had so many different arguments with people about why you have to get rid of that uh, cat and mouse in our courtship process. Like, I don't have any qualms against the song itself, but but that cat and mouse, the where you can't actually say what you want, but you want to say what you want, uh-huh. and all of that cat and mouse with courtship creates situations where miscommunications happen and these things take place. Either a woman isn't, doesn't feel strong enough to say absolutely not and get herself out of there or is just going along with it because she's being pressured into it and doesn't really feel that that's what she wants to do. Um, like that, and, uh, what's the name of that Indian American co- comedian that was like so popular then all of a sudden he's disappeared because of a a date that didn't go right, but nothing misconduct happened. He, you know, it, it just yeah. Uh, 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 Aziz, I'm sorry. Yes. Um, from what we've learned from that, 
it doesn't sound like there was sexual misconduct that happened. It's just like, hey, you know, let's have sex. No, I don't want to have sex. Okay, that's the end of the story. You know, I mean... It, it, it's, yeah, I, I think she, on that side, was overstating it, and he stopped whenever she said it, but yet there was a lot that was unsaid that she felt badly about afterwards, and in order to stop those situations, you have to be able to say it. Yeah, You have and, to be able to feel that you can say what you feel. And the only celebrity I know of who has pretty much gone back to their career, uh, or two, has been like Ryan Seacrest is still hosting that show with Kelly Ripa, and mm -hmm. Chris Hardwick is back to hosting The Talking Dead. Yeah. Because the allegations against both of them were... The evidence is circumstantial, and, and uh, in, in one case, it's a lot of like, oh, this was a bad relationship that ended badly, and now, they were, now they're striking back because they're so famous. Yikes. You know, it doesn't really... It, the, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like that. that. That's from what I've gathered about the Chris Hardwick thing. So There's a lot of miscommunication that happens with the relationship dynamics between men and women, or, you know, any person, really. Uh, and we have to really, as a society, uh, agree that these things have to be addressed and then change our behavior. So women cannot expect to be coy on dates and have it come across well, and men should not expect that they should, that they should be able to push and push and push until they get a no. So it, it's on both sides that this cat and mouse has to stop. And, um... You know, this episode, luckily, is just a, a black and white, like, she freaking lied. And there is a baby, and there is DNA evidence out there somewhere that will prove it correctly. Um, but, you know, this whole lying leads to, um, you know, the deaths of the sheriff, the priest, and... Not really uh, Jack's dad. He died some other way and just kind of came back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jack's He's dad. In a different way. Jack's dad also reminds me of the old man from the movie Dagon. If you've ever seen that movie. No, I never saw that one. Okay, go look it up. There's a character in the movie that basically is the dialogue carrier of everything that happened before the town started worshiping, stopped worshiping Christ, and started worshiping Dagon. Um, but also, again, uh, this is kind of like the fog in a way, whereas like the ancestors of all these people. Uh, didn't let the leopards like colonize with them and they left them to die and now their ghosts yeah. are coming back for revenge kind of similar also i know what you did last summer in a way of like you know somebody knows the secret they're coming back they're hiding it and then the nightmare on elm street thing is um nancy finds out that her her mother her father and a bunch of other parents uh got together and burned freddy krueger to death taking the law in their own hands because somebody didn't sign the warrant correctly and freddy got off and they were like, F that. I'm, we're yeah. going we're yeah. to kill Cause, him. Because Freddy's a pedophile, and they wanted revenge. Right, right. It's, it's in the remake, they made him into the kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing is wrong kind of pedophile. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> you sorry. know you're not supposed to do that to yeah. a child. <laughs> no, they made him a mentally challenged man. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm like, no, make it. Freddy a bad guy. This is why we love to hate him. Uh, anyway, moving on with this episode. <laughs> so there's a lie that ends up having this a child born of this lie. Um, yeah. Um the 
the Dragon Riders is the name of the of the of the biker gang. Could you find anything about dra- a, 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 a biker gang called the Dragon Riders? I did not find anything about Dragon Riders. Okay. Uh, it seems to be like a made up name for the episode. Okay, gotcha. You know, yeah. It, it's it's certainly not amongst the top uh, motorcycle gangs. It is funny again when they decide to go digging up the bodies. It immediately reminds me of what Sam and Dean would do to solve this problem. <laughs> Yeah, let's dig up the bodies and bury it in a consecrated gravesite. Yeah, and they've kind of done something like this in a couple episodes of Supernatural involving um like a bad secret coming back to haunt the you know the spe- the guest star of the episode and Sam and Dean having to put right what what's you know put put it right by getting rid of the uh uh the bones or whatever. But they've never had to face a biker gang before, so that that's a bit different. Yeah, um you know, I actually used to know someone that ran with the Hell's Angels. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she was actually a meth cook. And oh, Jesus we... Christ. <laughs> I've led a life. Um, she was a meth cook, and she was uh, in the Hell's Angels. And if you did meth between, like, the late 70s, mid-80s, you actually were doing her meth. So huh. all the meth on the West Coast was basically her her production. Oh, well, that's good to know. Not yeah. that I did meth because I was, what, when did this episode come out? I was 10. <laughs> I think yeah. I was like two months away from my parents splitting up permanently, so. Yeah, the the, the top biker gangs in the U.S. right now, uh, you know, are the Sons of Silence, Vagos, well, the Mongols, Pagans, when we get to uh, Dracula, we can say what we were doing in 2013, but when we get to the Adams Family, we're not going to have much to talk about. Yes, we, we were born. We were, <laughs> neither one of us were born until the late 70s and early 80s. So yeah. we have, like, nothing socially relevant to talk about with the Adams Family other than, like, I, this is when this happened in history. This is when the Vietnam War started, or, you know, whenever, because I don't remember when the Ad, what date the Adams Family started. But, again, nothing we can relate to whatsoever happened in that time period, and, and, and I honestly don't remember Not the Adams family. Relate to? No, and I also don't remember the Adams family ever really had an episode that was like socially relevant to the times. I think the whole point of that show was to not be socially relevant to the times because of the '60s being as hard as they were. But we'll get there. So yeah, we'll, we'll do all that, Adams. Well, I've got some stuff to say. Yeah. But... Uh, but again, I just I love the atmosphere of this episode. I like the way it was shot, even though it was really dark at times. Um, and, uh, I, I just think it was my favorite episode of the show, and I'm also very, like, Johnny has, like, nothing to do in this episode except for dig a grave. Well, he digs a grave, and he attempts to fight one of the bikers. Right. But he gets knocked unconscious, like, immediately. This is more of a Jack episode because of it's his dad. It's dad, yeah. I mean, this could have been all Jack without the two of them involved, you know what I mean? Or you didn't really need both of them in the episode, you could have just had Mickey or Johnny. That's true. Oh, how That's about true. this? Maybe this was the. Uh, how about this? Tie it into the next episode, and have this be the trip that Johnny and Jack are on while Mickey's dealing with the episode. What's going on Ooh. in the next episode, right? Ooh, if if we had continuity in this continuity uh, series, then yeah, continuity. Yeah, if we had a continuity. bit more continuity, but. Uh, we're fine with the continuity we have, but hey, that's something we could bring up to Jim the next time he comes on the show, too, saying, hey, did you ever think about, you know, like, while they keep saying that they're away, maybe have the episode explaining what they were doing while they were away. So. Yeah. How many people died? Only three this episode. Only three. Only three. And since there's no cursed object, like, there's, I, you know, there's no, 
object to research on. It would have been great if it was like the cursed motorcycle. Ooh, yeah. And where the hell are they going to put it? <laughs> uh, Johnny would ride it around uh, in secret. <laughs> I mean, a cursed motorcycle, come on. There was the key. There was the key. Well, you know, in 1990, key in um, and at, at this point when the show was on, the Ghost Rider hadn't been seen since the early 80s. The Ghost Rider comic book series had ended, and we had, and that was Johnny Blaze, and we hadn't had Danny Ketch come along yet, which was the second Ghost Rider. Um, mm-hmm. in, in continuity-wise, I'm not going to get into like the history of Ghost Riders. I mean, there's a Ghost Rider that goes all the way back to the prehistoric times, by the way, who wrote a flaming mastodon. Um, uh, and he worked alongside Odin. But uh, <laughs> the cursed motorcycle, again, would have been like too much like Ghost Rider, because Ghost Rider has a coast- cursed motorcycle. Every time he touches it, then he becomes the Ghost Rider. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, again, I liked the episode. It was pretty great. Uh, again, my favorite for the season. So we'll take a quick break and then uh, get right into the next episode, which doesn't feel like a doesn't feel like a Friday the Thirteenth episode either. <laughs> what started as a tragic accident, I uh, killed a little girl, becomes a terrifying plot for murder. You've got to get me out of here. It's a living soul trapped in a locket. Just find another soul and trade it for mine. Cursed with the power of life and death. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. A soul for a soul on an all-new Friday the 13th, the series. A soul for a soul on the next episode of Friday the 13th, the series, as the narrator says. And Mr. Zeneca has the episode plot synopsis for us. Episode, Repetition, originally aired February 5th, 1990. A well-known reporter is transformed into a desperate killer after finding a cursed locket in his possession. Directed by William Fruit, written by Jennifer Lynch and Frank Mancuso Jr., who we've all gone on over before, and only starring Louise Roby, as Jack and Johnny are not in this episode and only mentioned having been over the phone. So we're left with, like, a bevy of other characters that are... Only really connected due to the fact that one of them is at Curious Goods picking up uh, clothes for the homeless shelter. And then we never see Roby again. Yeah. Well, uh, I think she's at the very end. Yeah, no, she is at the very end. Walter Cromwell, by the way, uh, no, uh, the the character of Walter Cromwell is played by David Ferry, who has had a long career in Hollywood, having been on the TV series... Boondock Saints! Boondock Saints 1 and 2. He's Detective Dolly. He's also Senator Mills in Man of the Year, one of the best uh, movies of starring the late, great Robin Williams. And he currently plays Dr. Kissinger on the Marvel X-Men series Legion. Um, also, and with he it, was amazing in this episode as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to carry the episode because we don't have yeah. any of our cast of uh, regulars. Kate Trotter is in the episode, and she has been on Curved Affairs and Lost Girl and has a long, long, long career still acting to this very day. Vicky Watchope, uh, also in this episode, who plays uh, Heather, the little girl, Heather, um, pretty much stopped kind of doing anything uh, in having been in one episode of ER. Um, but what's funny is there is an, one of my favorite episodes of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. She plays a caroler in the episode where these carolers are coming around and they come to the Banks house, which is decked out like the Griswold family Christmas house. Oh, and, <laughs> that's um, <fun. laughs> th- th- You know, the uh, the Banks are normally very rich 
you know, African American yuppies. They're 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 very like stringent and stick. You know, they they need their nephew to kind of lighten them up a bit. And they're so used to having their Christmases be very stale. They're not used to the way that Will does it. And then of course Ronald Reagan and <clears throat> Donald Trump show up with Ivanka Trump to congratulate them on their decorating of their house and making it seem a bit more ridiculous than the rest of the neighborhood. Ah, the 90s. And by the way, the, 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 the housing association wants them to take down the lights because of the fact they're all a bunch of rich white yuppies that live around the rich African-American family um, until the carolers come along from the orphanage <laughs> and they're like, we love the lights. And the, and the rich white yuppies are all like, oh, well, if the kids like it, that's what's really bad. <laughs> Hilarity ensues. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's very funny. You get uh, Donald Trump. No, you know, you also get um, oh, uh, you also get some very uh, famous R and B singer at the time too comes by the house. I forget who it is. Uh, but yeah, you get Donald Trump, Ronald Reagan, Nancy Reagan, and Ronald Reagan points out that Nancy never lets me decorate the house the way I want to. <laughs> <laughs> He did have his bowls of jelly beans, though. Right, right, yeah. right, 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 right. I don't think the actor in the episode is played by uh, Donald. Uh, uh, oh, it's um, it's a, uh, it's a uh, oh, crap. Who is it? Uh, it's a Vander Holyfield. It's a Vander Holyfield. I'm sorry. That's who oh. shows up, but whatever. Oh, he stops by the house. Yeah, he stops by the house, which is hilarious. All right. Well, All right. Let, let's continue to the episode, though. Sorry, sorry, sorry. As much as I love the Philadelphia boy, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's why I brought it up, because you're from Philadelphia. Born and raised. (laughs) Anyway, okay, let's let's move on. Maybe we'll end the episode with the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song. Uh, Okay, Um, so so in this episode, I at first thought that he was going through a psychotic break. Right, right. He was listening to these voices in his head and the locket that he, the cameo locket that he finds underneath his car I thought was just an ordinary locket Uh huh. now when he hits Heather and kills her and she like stands and frozen in front of the car when it happens which is clearly a dummy could you feel the impact when it makes the sound of like killing that little girl oh my god that, that crushing sound yeah Holy work. Unbelievable. By the way, we didn't get into the Curious Goods part of the book uh, regarding the previous episodes. We'll do that at the very end if you got it in front of you and you want to read the insert about the whole, you know, cursed object list episode. I wonder if there's a comment in there, too, about why this episode had nobody in it from the show other than Roby for the bumpers. Uh, I'll, I'll say a few things at the end of the episode about it. Uh, the off the newspaper that Walter works at, by the way, is actually the Toronto office uh, is actually the Toronto office of the Globe and Mail newspaper. Awesome. Yeah, and there's several landmarks being shown throughout the episode in the background that clearly show this is in Toronto right now. Like, they usually do a good job of making sure that landmarks aren't seen very well, but in this episode you can apparently count it at least four times. Oh, cool. Yeah. Not really. They're not supposed to be in well, Toronto. I mean, we're, we're always trying to pick out where this place is. But this, you know. is, this is like, uh, if you've ever seen the original Halloween movie, how many times do you keep seeing pineapple tree? Uh, sorry, uh, pine... Uh, 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 not pine trees. Um, well, what type of tree is indigenous to California? 
Palm trees? Palm trees. Jesus Christ. Although they aren't really indigenous, but they're just associated you with it. You know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So there are palm trees in the background in, epi- in, in in the movie Halloween. In Halloween 4, which again is supposed to be in the same town as the first one, the mountains of, uh, of whatever state they filmed in are clearly in the background when there's yeah. no mountains in uh, the, the, the actual Haddonfield. <laughs> <laughs> so... Since I was thinking this guy was just getting into this uh, schizophrenic uh, mental state, I kept looking throughout the episode for places in which other people recognize and I and, and say that you know what he's going through is real. And we only get that twice through the whole episode when Bill, the homeless guy that he wants to trade souls for, for the cameo, tries to let go of the cameo and it won't drop from his hand and then when heather gets back the cameo she mentions that it has a guy's head on it when hers had a woman's head uh and that's really the only mention in the entire episode that anyone else is supporting the idea that this is a cursed object until we get to mickey who looks it up in the registry and confirms that yes it's a cursed object but she thinks that it had caused no damage whatsoever this is almost like a story uh, an adventure story of a cursed object rather than a Friday the 13th curious good story. Yeah, I, that that was what I was trying to think of. I just couldn't, I, the words weren't really coming to me, but that that's exactly the feeling that I had as well. Yeah, so uh, this guy in the very beginning, like he's winning columnist of the year. You know, like this is an accolade for the times. And, and then it just kind of uh, shows the degradation that his life has once he nods out on the road and accidentally kills a kid the guilt is just eating him alive and so he confesses to his priest now i'm not sure what the laws are on uh priests and having to declare uh crimes um i know with psychologists if you admit to doing a crime like killing someone they have to turn you in I don't know what it is like on the religious side of things, but if I was a person of the cloth, I would kind of feel that it would be my duty to convince this guy to either turn him in or set him up in some way to be caught. Yes, I don't and know. There, there have been priests um, that have been, uh, uh, what's the word, that you're basically de- de- defrocked? You're kicked yeah. out of the church. You're kicked out of the churchhood for revealing a crime because the confessional is um, between you know is not to be broken, no matter no matter the cost. And there are exceptions to this though, but they usually have to come up from the highest power possible. That means probably the Vatican itself, um, mm-hmm. because there have been priests that have been defrocked due to like learning about like a mob thing, like you know a lot of mobsters very religious too go to church mm-hmm. confess to their priest think it's okay and priests have been like jesus christ this is guys responsible for the deaths of like a lot of people yeah and it's like wow I mean, do you think god himself wouldn't want you to like turn this guy in 
I mean, he's going to continue doing bad crap. This is why I just don't get the Catholic religion whatsoever. We're not going to get into the whole thing about the other bad stuff of the Catholic religion. but Or, or how you can pay money in order to delete a sin from your profile. Yeah, we're not going to get into it. It's not covered in the episode. We kind of went, we went into a little bit of other topics in the last one, only because they were relevant to what uh, the uh, the woman yeah. you know falsely accused the bikers of doing. So that was, but where mm-hmm. you know what Catholic the Catholic religion has been involved with lately in the last ten fifteen years. So we don't need to get into it. No. Long story short, it just sucks that they have to keep this confession to themselves when it's a heinous, absolutely heinous crime. Oh man, yeah. He keeps going to the priest and he keeps saying that. Uh, the priest can't actually absolve his sins until he turns himself in. And with every exchange of a soul, from Heather being trapped in the, in the uh, locket and then being exchanged for his mother, and then homeless guy Bill being exchanged for... Uh, uh, homeless guy Bill taking the place of his mother, and then his mother waking up on the embalming table and then dying again, which... <laughs> funny. Uh... <laughs> That that reminded me a bit of um, uh, Tales. Uh, what was it? Tales from the Dark Side or movie? I'm familiar with Tales from the Dark Side, but I don't know. Where I don't I'm know where I'm going. That I don't anyway, know where you're going with, uh, with every exchange, his life gets worse, and yet in my mind, I would think that one of the ideas that would come to his head was that exchanging that soul for his own soul, because it was his accident you know he killed the girl so why not exchange his own soul for it um once the mother thing didn't work out very well uh but uh he ends up doing that in the very end uh, it's not really shown the completion like his soul was really transferred into the uh locket but he did kill himself at the end of the episode uh yeah at uh that locket um you know kind of like has a mind of its own in a way because like uh, you. Let's go back to his mom real quick. By the way, she died while being embalmed. Yes. Oh God, that just sounds disgusting and painful at the same time. Hey, it would feel like your entire body is burning up instantaneously. Yeah, just gross. <laughs> no, that stuff that is nasty, nasty chemicals, and and it would feel as if you are being ripped apart. Um, from the inside out, that chem- the the formaldehyde and and the, the embalming chemicals burn, like the sensation, like if you were to get it on an open wound, it would burn. Yeah. So that, that's yeah. They uh... a burning a burning sensation death, and it would happen very quickly and very uh, painfully. Yeah, I mean, when they say they're just burying the body, they are burying the body. It is stuffed full of cotton and other stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My ex-wife's grandfather died of cancer and it like didn't really ravage him that much but let's just face it he didn't look that great when he died but when we went to the funeral he looked like the way I met him years prior he looked fantastic I mean he looked great and the uh the funeral director explained about the embalming process I was like what did you do you know I, I was I I uh um, because my ex-wife also wanted to know whatever and he's just and like they got him like the best funeral home 
funeral home. Yeah, funeral home to do this or whatever. They they they're like masters. You know what I mean? They've they've yeah. even done Hollywood stuff once in a while too. And they you, made... usually it's a combination of derma fillers. Yeah. So you know they're basically injecting silicone into the the spaces of the skin where it needs to look puffy, uh-huh. and the embalming process adds kind of a rosy glow because the chemicals themselves can be kind of pink, like peptobismally pink. Yep. And that takes away some of the grayness of death. Mm. Um, the the poor, I think the person who is really affected in this episode the most, and I don't just mean like the mom of Heather. I mean she's just very well affected. But the person who's just kind of on the outside looking in is is uh, Mickey's friend. Because she's got no oh, idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah, she has absolutely. Anne, who runs the homeless shelter, she's got no idea. Yeah. And I was actually surprised she lived through this episode. This kind of reminds me of the movie Hellraiser in a way. Uh, Chrissy's stepmother kept bringing guys back to the house for Frank to feast on so he can get his uh, skin, body, and limbs back together after what the Cenobites did to him. And Walter's kind of doing the same thing, luring these uh, homeless people back to his uh place you know very much like a seductress would of any kind whether it be male or female so they could breathe life into the undead thing that needs people to survive on you know what i mean um it's a common thing in horror movies where you have the the male or female to doing the bidding of a dead thing in order to help them whether because they feel uh, loyalty they're trying to cover up their own dirty little secret or they're cursed to do it or they're just a sadist in general yeah. Um, like vampires. You you know, I mean, you work for the vampire, you're going to bring someone back for the vampire to snack on. And you're usually going to do it if you don't, it, it, you're a good person, but you got to do it. You're going to do it to crooks and prostitutes and the homeless. Yeah. Unfortunately, prostitutes are always a target. Unfortunate. Yeah. They're, it's, um, it kind of, uh, in I fiction, <laughs> I am not going to comment on real life, but in fiction, it kind of lends itself to, that type of uh, writing trope. Yeah. So I, but, don't, uh, I don't care for it. I don't care for it all. Yeah, yeah, I know. We're, we're not going to get into the <laughs> sex worker rights thing. That's, yeah, yeah. That, I don't even know if we even have a prostitute episode coming up again. I, I, think I don't think so. No, and, and I'm pretty sure Charles um, uh, Gomez, excuse me, I almost said Charles Adams, uh, that's the creator. Gomez Adams does not lure any young people back to for no, his no, life. No, 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 no. But I am <laughs> sure we will get into some prostitutes getting killed on Dracula the series. <laughs> uh, so today's uh, cursed object is a cameo locket. Which now, I don't own. Do you? <laughs> I do own a cameo, actually. Oh. I do. Um, I think I've seen it's in a... photos you've worn in Victorian dresses <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, I, I I do own a cameo. Um, cameos are like little tiny relief carvings, right? And they were they've come in and out of popularity through the years. Uh, you can find them as far back as the Roman era. Cool. So there are several different types based on their um, the properties that that make them up. So if it has a carnelian shell, meaning that's what it's uh, carved into. Then it will have uh, an orange or a peachy color, uh, and the contrast between the the white overtop enamel laying and the or carnelian shell. You know, I'm not exactly sure how if they layer it and then carve into it, but sardonic shell uh, has a brown interior. Um, some cameos have mother of pearl inlet. Uh, the bluish gray cameos that you find in a lot of uh, Victorian wear are usually set in silver. 
uh, and, the, and including Mother, Mother of Pearl with that. Uh, agate cameos are like blue-green in color and can come from like Germany or Northern Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are more popular ones. And you can find them, uh, I mean, there's ancient antique cameos. Some people say that you don't actually own a cameo. You're just holding it for the next generation. It owns you? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> well, in this in this instance, yes. <laughs> it certainly did own the soul inside. Um, usually cameos aren't as cursed. <laughs> Hope not. Um, uh, but they will usually come with the story of their previous owners. So if you buy a cameo at an auction or whatnot, uh, you will expect to hear the story of every previous owner because there's usually with cameos a very distinct line between mother to daughter. Oh yeah, I, that I have definitely heard. Um, mm-hmm. I that I I I I have heard that uh, several times. Uh, just really quick, do we have any uh, cool tidbits from the book uh, before we go? We're kind of yeah. on time now. <laughs> okay. Uh, so on Midnight Riders, uh, there's a a little thing that uh, they kind of a let me see if I could pull out the bit here. Uh, there were very interesting places to explore in the relationship between Jack and his dad. Uh, this, uh, with the number, with the murder of the bikers and the dark acts behind the facade of the little town and its inhabitants, it was fun as a filmmaker to peel all of that back. Plus, how often in life do you ever get to give the direction, put more maggots on the headless biker's neck? Uh, that was a quote from uh, Eastman. Did they? Did, did either chapter explain why the episode was written so differently, with no object and no cast other than Mickey in the second one? As for why, um, if not, we can actually we ask, we can ask Jim next time he comes on the show. Uh, I don't think it says why. Okay, that's fine. We uh, thank you for tuning in to this new ep- the uh, the newest episode of the Dead TV podcast. As we are rounding out the end of the year of 2018, we would like to again thank uh, everyone for listening and wish everyone celebrating Hanukkah this week a happy Hanukkah. Uh, happy Hanukkah! Happy last night of Hanukkah. Uh, I believe that's tomorrow night. I think I think Hanukkah started last. Well, by, Sunday. by the time they hear it, it will be. Yes, and then uh, happy uh, Merry <laughs> Christmas. But we're not at Christmas just yet. Um, and then uh, we will be uh, finishing up Friday the 13th series through the end of the year, taking a break, and then starting Dracula after my surgery. Um, if you'd like to check us out on Facebook, you can, the Dead TV Podcast. Also on Twitter at Chris D S A V and Elegantly Kinky. And don't forget, you can join us on Patreon, where Mr. Zeneca will be uh, recording and putting up uh, bits of longer information for our Patreon subscribers. Uh, of the cursed object as well as other historical information regarding Dracula because Dracula is a period piece so there will be a lot of history regarding Dracula well as well because yes. uh, yes. Dracula it, does take place these will be my little, little history lessons on our objects or time periods or episodes right um, and as well as references from the book by Bram Stoker and how they relate to the episodes Mr. Zekala has a lot of homework ahead of her she has yes. to read Dracula which is pretty boring <laughs> actually <laughs> anyway we'll get there eventually thank you everyone for tuning in thanks